0: enjoyed Steve's sermon last Sunday night, yeah, and spiritual warfare, it's really, really cool. You know, funny thing happened when I was about to put it on the website for the podcast, Um, we we go through a a website that's called Podbean, and they sent me an email saying that the category Our Sermons Now Come Under has changed. I thought, okay, that's interesting, I wonder what it is. And uh, it used to be under Christianity and Religion. And i have changed the, the, um, the, the category to be spirituality slash Christianity. Very different. Very interesting, isn't it? Someone said that's interesting. It's, uh, it's really interesting because who knows that spirituality is a real buzzword at the moment. In the, it's sort of been substituted for things of God and, and things like that. And people are very comfortable to talk about their spirituality. And I I think that's a really good thing. I think the more people talk about the Spirit and things of the Spirit is really, really important. But it's also reminded me of the fact that the Bible talks about a spiritual world, as Steve talked about last week. And it's really, really important that we don't take it for granted or treat it lightly. But we really understand what it's all about, because it's really important to our eternal destiny. And so tonight, I want to continue on from where Steve left off last week and continue to talk about the importance of spiritual warfare. And I want to share a scripture that he shared last week from Ephesians 6. And uh, it's very clear what Paul talks about here when it comes to spiritual warfare and to the spirit part of our lives, that there is a spiritual world and it's very significant. So if you want to read this with me, feel free. But it says there, a final word. Word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He makes it very clear that there is good and there is evil. And then he goes on to say therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil then after the battle you will still be standing firm stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be able that so that you will be fully prepared in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's a powerful scripture, a powerful passage, well known. We talk; It's been talked about and preached about a lot. But it's really important that we understand that there is a spiritual world. And the, this passage lays it out pretty clearly. But he also explains that God does not leave us empty-handed when it comes to spiritual matters. He has given us everything we need to fight this spiritual battle that we are in, to overcome the evil that is going on in our world. And I really believe that we need to understand this and get a grasp of it, especially in this six weeks of prayer and fasting for those who are, to really grab hold of what God is doing because I've found myself I don't know about you, but I found myself very much more spiritually aware. Very aware of what's going on around me and the fact that there are things going on that show that there are forces that aren't happy with what we're doing as a church. They want to distract and come against the things that are happening because they want us not to be on target with what God wants to do. And so I want to share with you just some very simple and quick things that we can learn from this passage First and foremost being the fact, and Steve talked about this really powerfully last week, that we are in a war it's very simple, very straightforward. We are in a, a war. there are forces of evil fighting against forces of good. Now, if you didn't hear Steve's sermon last week, then go to the website and click on podcasts, and you'll find it there. listen to it because it's very, very powerful, and it will it will change your life and and challenge you and and cause you to grow but the fact is we have a real enemy it's very clear in the passage we just read and that enemy doesn't want us or the ways of God to succeed it will do everything in its power to stop it happening and we need to be aware of that and we need to understand that this is not just for now this is about eternity in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 he says it very clearly there be self-controlled and alert Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Very straightforward, very clear. We are in a war. I'm not going to labour that because Steve talked about it so powerfully last week. But the second part of that passage, he explains to us, Paul explains to us, we fight this battle God's way. Now, I don't know about you, but I've probably read that passage about God's armour over a hundred times in my lifetime. I've been in church since I was a little boy and I used to go to children's church and they used to teach us about the armour of God. Anyone else in that category? Went to Sunday school and you learn all about the armour of God. I remember um, we used to play a game. I don't know if you guys did this, but we used to play a game called the sword of the spirit and we'd have to put our Bibles by our side and we'd stand there, hold our Bibles by our side and they'd read out a scripture And the first one to find that passage in the Bible would win. And so we'd all be standing there and they'd go, don't move your Bible, don't do anything, just stand still. Wait, wait, a bit like Braveheart, wait, wait. Did you play this, Emily, when you are in children's church? No, no, come on, come on. This is when we had Bibles that you had to look up and they had paper. They weren't on your phones. This is back in those days. We should try it with our young people today, see how they go, finding a scripture. Where's, where is that book of Ezekiel? Lamentations, all of that. But we used to play it and it was all about being a part of God's army and you, you had to be a soldier and you were ready to know God's word. It was awesome. But I, as much as I've, I'd heard this passage uh, and I'd read it so many times, there was one thing I read as I was preparing this week that sort of brought a new insight for me as it became a, a bit more alive to me because in the passage it says it this way in Ephesians 6 11, and then Ephesians 6 13 it says put on all of God's armor now in the original passage in the King James it says put on the armor of God but when I read it as God's armor and in six thirteen it says therefore put on every piece of God's armour, all of a sudden the penny drop for me is, this isn't my armour, this is actually God's armour. God's not giving me something specifically just for me, that's nice for me, that here Ben, I'm giving you some armour and now you can call it Ben's armour. No, he is giving me his armour. He is giving me his best his armor there's a story in the bible about king saul and david before david goes to fight goliath and saul thinks let me help out david you can put on the king's armor let me give you my armor and that to be honest that's a privilege the king's armor would have been the best armor in all of israel but david put it on and it just didn't fit and it just didn't feel right and so he said no i'm just going to fight it the way god wants me to but in this situation it's different Because God gives us His armour. So He gives us everything we need to fight this spiritual battle. He gives us everything we need to overcome and win. He gives us His armour. And His armour doesn't not fit us properly. His armour fits us perfectly. Because His armour is everything we need to do what God has called us to do. I don't know if you've noticed this, but His armour lists not just... His characteristics, but it also lists things that he has given us freely. You look at those those things that it says there. Truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, God is truth. He is righteousness. Jesus says he clothes us in his righteousness. Not ours, but his. So what he is giving us is his righteousness. When he talks about putting on his armour, God's armour, it says in the Bible that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So he's giving us what he is. He is giving us himself. He is giving us peace. It says in the Bible that to each person he is given a measure of faith. That's a free gift from God. And the next one, we know salvation is God's free gift to us. As it says, God, God gives us salvation, that it's by his grace that we are saved not by works, not by our own abilities or our own doing, but his grace that we are saved, not by works lest any man should boast. God's free gift to us. And then the final thing he gives us is his word, the word of God, the Bible, the word of God, which is God's love letter to us. God's, under, uh, God's strategy, God's character, God's nature is everything that he is is in the Bible so that we would know who he is. So he gives us all we need to fight this battle. But lastly, it says what we can learn from this passage is we win by using what he has given to us. Or in other words, we win this battle when we wear the armour that God gives to us. When we put on God's armour, not my armour, not my good works, not my, my deeds, not my skills or or gifts, not my stuff, but when we put on God's armour, it's then that we overcome the enemy. It's then that we win this battle in the Spirit. It's when we put on His armour. But this is where it comes down to it, because we're not only to believe in His armour and like His armour and say, oh, you know, I, I love the fact that God is truth and God is righteousness and God is peace. That's really good. I believe that. No, we have to live it out in our lives. It has to change the way we live. It has to change the way we do life because that's where the rubber meets the road, when we live out the armour of God in our everyday lives. So I want to share with, it, with you tonight the ways we can do that. I want to share with you very simply and go through the different armour that God gives us and show what it means for our everyday lives, how we can outwork that because who wants to win this battle? We all want to win this battle. You know, the fact is we have already won because Jesus has won the victory. But every day, day after day, we need to learn to live in that victory, to walk in that victory. And we do that by putting on his armour. The first piece of armour is the belt of truth. Anyone wearing a belt tonight? Yeah? It's good because we don't want any pants falling down. But the belt of truth... When we wear the belt of truth, what we are declaring in our lives is only the truth, no lies. Who knows we live in a world of lies. The whole industry of advertising is based on spin and lies. If you use this product, you're going to look as beautiful as Nathan. I couldn't think of anyone else. But the fact is they tell us these lies that the way you look and the, and the stuff that you do and is the most important thing and you have to look a certain way to be successful and you've got to drive a certain car if you want to be a winner and all of this rubbish, dare I say another word. But it's just lies and the Bible says the devil is the father of lies. He spins lies. He spins them to get us distracted from what really matters. But the fact is we gird ourselves in the belt of truth and the belt of truth is God's truth. God's truth says um, that we can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. The enemy would come and say, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. But we say, no, the belt of truth tells me I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that right? You see, what do we attach to the belt of truth? we attach the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And the truth that we have is the Word of God. So when people tell you you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you're no good, You're, you're worthless, or whatever they might say, when you have those voices that come, those lies from the enemy, you say, no, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My God formed me in my mother's womb and knitted me together perfectly as He wanted me. And I am a child of God. I am created in his image. Isn't that right? You see, the, the belt of truth is grabbing hold of the truth that God is and applying it to our lives. And the God's truth says that your value is not found in stuff. Your value is found in him. As James said at the end of the word, we are made complete when we find God. That's when we find out who we're really meant to be next piece of armor is the breast breastplate of righteousness it's a hard word to say but in the breastplate of righteousness what it tells us is only Christ's righteousness not my own you see the bible tells us that our righteousness our deeds our works our, our our doing stuff is as filthy rags but God wants to clothe us in his righteousness. His righteousness is about a Jesus who went to a cross and died for us. And he makes us right not by what we can do, but what, what he has done. See, he has done all that we need. We find everything we need in him. Now, it's really interesting about the breastplate of righteousness you think about it, you put it across what part of your body? Your chest. What What is it protecting in your chest? Your heart. You see, we put on the breastplate of Jesus' righteousness over our heart and our chest to protect our heart. This is really important because we've talked about this here before, but the heart is what we understand. The Bible says is the place from, all the issue, from where all the issues of life flow. It is actually described as a throne in the original language. And so the idea there is whoever sits on the throne of your heart rules your life. So if Jesus sits on the throne of your life and his righteousness, then it makes sense that we need to put on a breastplate of righteousness to protect it, to protect us from being distracted and going in different ways. Because when we want Jesus to rule our life, then we don't want anything to take him off that throne. Isn't that right? We want him to guide us. We want him to lead us. That's why we put on his breastplate of righteousness. The next piece of armour are the shoes of the gospel of peace. Only God's peace, not my worry. That's what this is all about. Only God's peace, not my worry. Anyone get anxious in this room? Well, the shoes of the gospel of peace about knowing that God is guiding your steps and having a peace that he is leading you where you need to go. That when you put on the shoes of peace, you're saying, God, your peace, not my worry. It says it like this in Philippians, where Paul says, be anxious, be... Don't be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Get it right. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests. So God says, Don't be anxious. But He doesn't just leave it there. You know, like your parents. Don't do that. Why? No, just don't do it. What else should I do? No, don't do it. No, God says, No, don't be anxious. But, but, let me give you the antidote to anxiety, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So bring it to God. If you're anxious, let that be the trigger to say, I need to pray. It's really important in this six weeks of prayer. Let your anxiety be your guide to praying, to saying, God, I bring my prayer to you. I bring my needs to you because his promise is that and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, who needs some of that sort of peace, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, God wants to give you peace, but he can't give you peace if you're holding on to anxiety. He can't give you peace if you're you're worrying about this and that. But when you bring it to him, you need to give it to him and leave it with him. And say, God, I give you my peace. I need. I give you my anxiety. Give me your peace. Get it the right way around. Preaching twice a day is hard work sometimes. But uh, as we give Him our our anxiety, He gives us His peace. What a good promise is that! Is that a good promise? Then pray, church. When you're anxious, pray. It's not rocket science. I know you might go, that's too simple. Well, that's a lie of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy if you think that's too simple. It's as simple as saying, God, I put my life in your hands. I trust you. I don't believe the anxiety. I believe your word. The next piece of armoury is the shield of faith. Similar to the last one, but only faith, not fear. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. Amen? The just, the justified shall live by faith. That means, as simple as I can say it, is that fear has no place in our lives when we believe in God. That we trust in Him and Him alone. That He is everything we need. Now, someone once told me when I was going through a difficult time and worried about different things and fearing stuff, he said, this thing, he said this old saying that I hadn't heard at the time, but said, fear knocks on the door, faith answers, and nobody's there. When fear knocks on the door and we answer with faith, you open the door and you'll discover that nothing's there. Faith is that ability to trust God and to know that He has your life in His hands. The next piece of armoury is the helmet of salvation. Don't you love this one? Only the cross and no other power to trust Him. Only the cross and no other power to trust Him. This is really significant because when we become Christians, we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we make a decision of the heart, not necessarily the mind all the time. Sometimes we have to bypass our mind because we think too much, but we know that it's the right thing to follow Jesus. So we say, Jesus, I give you my heart, I give you my life. But we put on the helmet of salvation because what lies under the helmet is our mind. And what, that, what we have to be sure of is that we think the way God wants us to think. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. So when we put on the helmet of salvation, we're continually reminding ourselves that I am saved that God has redeemed me, that God has rescued me, that God has paid a price for me and I am valuable and I will think the way God has called me to think. I will not go back to the old ways and the old ways of thinking, but I am a new creation now in Christ. And I have to change the way I think. I have to change the way I look at the world and the way I might compare myself with others or whatever. I have to know that I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Paul says it this way, another verse about spiritual warfare in 2 Corinthians, but he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we, this is the important part, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So when we're wanting to do the wrong thing, or when we're wanting to, go the wrong way we have to take those thoughts when those thoughts come into our mind say I need to feel sorry for myself because it's not fair it's not fair what's going on in my life and I need to have a pity party right here and now we need to change our thinking we need to remind ourselves no I am a child of God no matter how difficult it is I know God can get me through this that I can overcome because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That there is power in me as a child of God, that I can see the breakthrough come. When those temptations come our way, we can stand firm in knowing that my mind is with Christ, that I will bring every thought into obedience with him. The final piece of armory is the only offensive part of it the armoury, the attacking part, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And I like this, only what God has written, not my feelings. Only what God has written, not my feelings. When Julie and I were raising our kids, it was a common mantra in our, our house where we'd tell our kids, your feelings don't tell you the truth all the time. Your feelings aren't always honest with you. I feel sad today, Dad. I feel this today. I feel, I feel like you're mean today, Dad. Well, your feelings don't always tell you the truth. It's, it's the truth. Our feelings lie to us. Sometimes we allow the outside circumstances to dictate, us, dictate to us our feelings. But the reality is we need to be people who live by faith who live by the truth of God, who live using the sword of the Spirit, which is God's truth. And as I've said time and time again, even tonight, we need to replace those feelings with God's truth. God's truth. Every time you're down on yourself, you say, No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything I have is in God. You see, putting on your armour means consciously choosing daily to clothe yourself in God's truth, in God's righteousness, in peace, in faith, in salvation, and in the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Continually reminding yourself of those things because it's those things that matter most. You know, the thing that can happen often in our walk with God is we can get distracted easily. Isn't that right? We can just get distracted by all sorts of stuff. And it's a tactic of the enemy in this, because it is a spiritual battle, but it's a tactic of the enemy to make us focus on the things that we don't have. But God wants you to know, guess what? This is what you have. You have all of this. You have my truth. You have faith. You have righteousness. You have all these things. Don't worry about what you don't have. Remember what you do have. Because the enemy's strategy is try to make us focus on what we don't have. You don't have a decent enough car. Or you don't have a good enough education. Or you don't have the ministry that you believe God's called you to. But God says, no, focus on what you do have and let me worry about what you don't have see, that's the strategy the enemy used in the Garden of Eden. Back when Adam and Eve were going around, and we know the story that the snake came to them, the serpent, the enemy came to them and tempted them and started telling them things like, why don't you eat of the fruit of the tree? And they'd go, no, God's told us not to. He says, we got everything else in the garden. He's given us everything else, but he said, the only thing we're not allowed to touch is that tree. We've got all this. And he'd go, well, why isn't God letting you have that? Maybe it's because that's something that you need. Or maybe that's something that you should have. Maybe that's something that if you have that, God's worried that you'll become like him. Isn't that right? The lies. The lies. The lies. Because all that was there was death and sin and curse. And isn't that the way the enemy still operates today, that he goes, oh, look over the fence, look what so-and-so has. You should have that. Why isn't God giving you that? And we have to remind ourselves, no, God has given me the belt of truth. God has given me the breastplate of righteousness. God has given me the shield of faith. God has given me, these are good things. God has given me the shoes of peace. God has given me a shield of faith. God has given me a helmet of salvation. What else do I need? He's given me all that I need. He's given me the Word of God. These are the things we need to focus on, church. Not to get focused on other stuff, but focus on what really matters. You know, there's a really interesting story about one of the greatest armies that ever was. The Roman army, the Roman Empire, back in the day, back in the time when the Bible was written. These verses were written the Roman Empire ruled the world. And some would argue, especially if you're Italian, some would argue that the Roman Empire was the greatest empire that ever existed. And they ruled the world at that time. But if you know the story, you'd know that at the end of the 4th century or around about then, they were actually overrun and defeated by a bunch of uncivilized Goths and barbarians from the north, from, the, from Germany and those sorts of places. They came down and they, they defeated the greatest army that ever was. And it just seems ridiculous that that would happen. But I found a, a piece of history where, where they, they talked about why this was possible. And it says here that there were many things that happened that led to their defeat, but one of them was clearly spelled out by one of the 4th century Roman generals And he said this, listen to this. When, because of negligence and laziness, parade ground drills were abandoned, the customary armour began to feel heavy since the soldiers rarely, if ever, wore it. Therefore, the soldiers, they asked the emperor to set aside the breastplates and mail and then the helmets. So our soldiers, the Roman soldiers, fought the Goths and barbarians without any protection for their heart and their head. And they were often beaten by the archers. Although there were many disasters which led to the loss of great cities, no one ever tried to restore the armour to the infantry. They took the armour off, and when the armour came off, so too came our integrity." A powerful illustration. You see, church, we can get so comfortable with our walk with God that we start to forget about the belt of truth. We start to forget about the shoes of peace. We start to forget about the, the importance of the breastplate of righteousness and we think, we're going really great here. We're going awesome. Things are great. But if we don't remind and keep practicing the basics, keep working in the basics we put ourselves at risk of defeat. It's as simple as it is. What God has given us in his armour are the main things we need to focus on, continually remind ourselves on. God's truth, not the lies of the enemy. God's righteousness, not our righteousness. God's peace, not anxiety and worry. God's faith, not fear. God's salvation and the price he paid for us. And the word of God underlines all of that. When we stand on these things, that's when we stand strong. in closing, just to finish. What do we do once we put the armour on? Obviously we have to fight and be ready to fight. But we need to understand that God's way of fighting is very different to our way of fighting. And if we continue to read on in Ephesians 6 says something really interesting there. Paul says, once he said, you've got all the armour of God, what does he say next? He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words May be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So what do we do once we've got the armour on? Pray. We think, oh, we go out and fight and we do stuff and we, we take back the ground that the enemy's taken and we, we do this and we do that. We, we start picketing places and we start declaring the word of the Lord on the street corners because, you know, that's fighting the enemy. No, Paul says pray. Pray. You see, as Christians, we wage war through prayer. We wage war through prayer. Prayer is the key and prayer is what we do once we wear God's armour. That's why this next four weeks or so is so critical and so important because prayer is should be the cornerstone of everything we do. Now Paul is writing from a Jewish context and we need to understand that to the Jews, they believed in prayer like no one else. Prayer was a cornerstone of how they did life. There, There were actually some some uh, sayings that the Jews had that shows how much they believed in prayer. The first one there says, he who prays surrounds his house with a wall that is stronger than iron. Another one of them says, penitence can do something, but prayer can do everything. You see, for the Jew, prayer was where their strength as a nation came from. Whenever they got into trouble, they would turn to God and pray, and He would send a Redeemer to save them and rescue them. So they understood that prayer was the channel that allowed God's grace and help and support to come to them as a nation. The attitude that the Jews had to prayer was actually the thought of standing before God. That when they prayed, they literally understood it, and the actual original language actually talks about the concept of standing before God and asking. That's the whole idea of it. It's very simple, very easy. I might get James and Matt to come up here. And I want to show you this by illustration. If you guys just want to stand up here and have a chat to one another, just go a bit further forward. Don't be shy. So you just stand there and have a chat. So these guys are having a chat and they're talking. And the idea of standing before someone is when someone walks up to them like this and just stands before the conversation. Look, Matt's already looked at me. Have you ever had that happen to you? You're having a conversation with someone and someone would just walk up. And just stand there. What happens normally? Do you normally get their attention? Yeah? This is, imagine Matt's God and he's dealing with James' issues. And James is talking to him. But I come up and I stand by the side. What's God going to do? He's going to turn to me and say, what do you want? <laughs> Isn't that right? This is what prayer is all about. This is the concept of prayer. Sure, we worship in prayer, and we, but it's all about standing before God and getting his attention. That you would stand there and say, God, I need your help. I need you in my life. I need more of you. And so when we pray, that's what we're literally doing, is we're standing before him and saying, God, give me your attention. It's as simple as it is. And that's the concept that the Jews had. You guys can sit down. Thank you. That was very powerful. You did very well. But the idea, I don't know if you've ever seen the images of the Jews at the Wailing Wall, where they'll stand at this wall that they believe was the original temple that was built, and that they believe it, and that so they stand there praying and praying, facing it. It looks crazy, but they stand there because they believe that the temple is where God's presence dwelt. So they stand before God and ask Him for help. And that's what God calls us to So when He's talking about prayer and saying, once you put on God's full armor, then pray. Pray. It's not rocket science. It's straightforward. Pray. Prayer is the answer to this. Prayer is the way we wage war. Prayer is the way God calls us to do what we're called to do. Prayer is when we communicate with God and spend time with God and understand who He is, and He transforms us and changes us. Prayer was what Jesus demonstrated in his life to us when he was here that he would regularly go aside to pray that he would get up early in the morning to pray prayer is the way we wage war church we don't wage war by writing petitions or doing this or doing that we wage war through prayer when you if you've got kids that are away from god you don't wage war by Bible bashing them and telling them, come on, you need to get back to God. You need to come back to church with them. No, you wage war by praying for them, by getting before God and standing before God and saying, God, I want to see my kids back in a relationship with you. Isn't that right, church? This is what God's called us to. He's called us to wage war. famous revivalist, Leonard Ravenhill, he saw great revivals in the 18th century, wrote these words, No man is greater than his prayer life. No woman is greater than her prayer life. Prayer is the thing that keeps us grounded in the truths of his armour. Prayer is the reality that keeps us close to God. Without prayer, you won't survive. Without prayer, nothing will change. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer, just for a moment. We're going to finish in just a moment.